exciting, Jim. But not as we know it. This is big. This is Bashcast, episode number... One, eight, seven. It is 10 minutes to 6pm on Friday the 18th of February 2021. This is a public information broadcast on behalf of all the sensitive Simons, those that dance the wokey-cokey, and generally people of a more timid disposition. My name is Thomas Brownlee, and I have made an outrageous amount of money from gambling in the last three weeks. In this podcast... I'm going to describe how I did that through a series of seemingly impossible winners. If you think that you may be offended at the thought of me talking about this on the podcast, my advice would be to write in to somebody that cared, because frankly I'm a little bit too busy sitting here and counting my Benjamins. Coming up in this afternoon's Bashcast, Tom goes out a date with his wife to go and see Simply Red, ends up getting scammed by a ticket tout. Valentine's Day is just an outrageously expensive day of the year and I'm not having it. Talk a little bit more about the FGS and AGS model, the Player XG model we're writing, it's two steps forward with that and then it's two steps back. That didn't stop us making some money using it. Bet365 have started putting some boosts up. Can we make money with them even if we're restricted with Denise? Winbow Tarves celebrates its 1000th birthday, so we review the Winbow Tarves. And it would be foolish not to talk about exactly what has been happening in the golf in the last three weeks. All of that and more coming up in the Bashcast this evening. So there's a lot of noise around just now from various groups that have popped up from around the place with names like Gambling With Lives and gambling harm and gambling risks and these are mainly prohibitionists who uh, want to enter the discussion and really if 
if they've got valid points, they should definitely be heard. But it is very much centered around the viewpoint that these guys just say that almost all forms of gambling and risk are societal evils. And I've always been of the viewpoint, let everyone be heard. I'm going to sit and listen, and then maybe I can make an educated decision and viewpoint about the information that I've heard from everyone. I'll listen first, think later. But it also got me to thinking that I am getting to the point where I'm a little bit bored hearing the same narrative going over and over again. And I thought I would just enter the discussion um, with my um, with my group, if you like, which I'm calling Gambling is Fun. And the reason for this is if everyone else is getting a voice, I feel like I'm going to get a voice as well. And this is my podcast, so I'm going to invite me on to have a voice just to make it very clear that I will never quit gambling. I will never quit gambling because it is fun. It is really, really fun. I will always keep my mind active enough so that I can gamble. I love winning. I love going to sleep and thinking about how much money I have made. Even when I lose, I love thinking about had I done anything wrong? Is it just variance? Is there anything I could change? There's a thrill in that. There's a thrill in the problem solving. I love waking up in the morning and the first thing I often think about is, God damn, I'm in a good mood after making 800 pounds yesterday. I love gambling. I love the risk. I love making money. I love spending money that feels like I've only earned it through the process of being a smart ass. I love sharing it with friends and family when I win. Not rubbing it in people's faces, but sharing my happiness. Like when you go to a fancy restaurant and you tell your friends about it, you're not saying to them, look, I've been to this fancy restaurant uh, and I'm better than you. You're, You're telling them about the food that you got because you love them and you want to share a happy, positive, experience with them because maybe it will make them happier and more positive it's the same with gambling there are definitely some people that think that i react sometimes in the former camp but they're not fans of mine and i don't need to worry about their reactions they've got their own shit to deal with i love waking up in the morning and seeing a balance that was higher than it has ever been before a new peak i love buying the kids technically maybe me a nintendo switch and mario kart steering wheels after giving it precisely eight seconds thought because i happened to have made 400 pounds unexpectedly i love having friends over to the house and saying do you want to just bet on this game do you want to have a bet on whether there's a blue car that is going to go past in the next 10 minutes out the window i love it when you're out and somebody in your group says hey we should just stop in the casino and it's 2 p.m and everyone else is at work and you're not supposed to but this is your job you can do what you want and you go and you get a drink from the bar and you sit down at the blackjack table and you're playing negative expectation game and it doesn't matter because it's like a first kiss except you don't get those all the time when you're married but you do when you're gambling you really do and when you're winning and you think this cannot continue and then one more opportunity pipes up and you bet on that and that wins as well and you're like this is going to be the best day ever the best week ever this is going to be the best 
month ever. I love making money. I love feeling like a smart arse, like I've placed a bet and someone else has laid it, and that bet has won, and I'm a winner because of the result of that, and I love the game between the two of us. And I love it even more when I'm winning on the exchange. And I love it waking up and seeing the golfers over in America have one half asleep stumbling to the toilet and then downstairs to try and find where I've left my phone and barely able to open my eyes and then staring in disbelief that my star golfer Scotty Scheffler who I'm expecting to be in fourth, fifth, sixth position bottom of the places is sitting right at the top and as I slept off a hangover that morning I had made many, many thousands of pounds in my sleep I just love everything about it and I'm never going to quit and um, that is a party political broadcast from Gambling is Fun um, that Sunday was quite a Sunday did I I can't remember the last podcast I did I think it was three weeks ago because I got the coronavirus had the coronavirus on that sun, that Friday that I did the podcast but the Saturday the, the, I, I really went downhill and I haven't been feeling well at all and I think um, I was a little bit glib dismissing the coronavirus Omicron variant as like a mild cold because I was hit really hard. And then, and then I got laryngitis and then the doctor gave me opiates. And then my GP friend Ruth said that 5% of the population react to codeine like they do to MDMA and things like that. And I think I might be in the that 5% of the population which means that I got better but I'm not necessarily finished with that course of opiates from the doctor and I got better and it was coming up to Valentine's Day um, which was on the Monday awkwardly every year so of course you got to go and have fun on the Sunday but I think I'd spoken about the losing run I'd gone through a little bit of a losing run through Christmas uh, maybe through the beginning of January I don't really remember when it stopped but oh my god I'm going through a period just now that is unreal. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous what's happening. And it's it's put me into a mood where I feel invincible. Like I just cannot put a step wrong just now. And I don't know what's going on. And it's happening across all forms of betting. And so if you, you, if you, if you tune in sometimes to the Bashcast and think that I cherry pick... The winners, and just talk about that, I would probably switch off now because this is going to really irritate you because I haven't had that many losers to talk about, to tell you the truth. There have been a lot of winners. The maths and the winners I'm going to come to in the future, like a little bit later on in the podcast. But um, we were going out, don't judge me, we were going out to see the ginger sex bomb at the NEC, Mick Hocknell and Simply Red, me and my wife and a couple of friends on the Sunday night. Look, I'm... I'm not having any of it. I'll happily go and see the drum and bass and I'll happily go to the techno clubs over in Germany and uh, I'll happily go to the electronic music festival Sonar in Barcelona. But equally, I know good pop music when I hear it and Simply Red just always been a favourite of mine and it doesn't matter to me what you think. He's an absolute bombshell. One of the greatest as well. Um, Viz articles of all time. I think I've said it before on the podcast, but it doesn't matter because it's so on the nose that it's worth repeating. This was Professor Ralph Hoffenheimer, who is an actual professor from the University of Oxford. And 
he wrote in to the um, the news source that is Viz magazine saying that I am Emeritus Professor of Statistics at Oxford University and I've been analysing Mick Hucknell's claims and have come to some quite interesting conclusions. If we start from the quite reasonable position that Mr Hucknell was sexually active at his claimed rate of three different women a day between 1984 and 1993, the period of the band's greatest success, then we reach a figure of 10,950 conquests or 10,959 including leap years. Now, let us further assume that Mick had intercourse with women who were between 18 and 19 years old in 1984. We can get a rough estimate of the total number of women in this group by taking the current UK female population, 30 million, and dividing the result by 85, which is roughly approximate of the female population divided into equal proportions throughout the median age range. And this gives us a working figure of 352,941 women who were born in 1966. Of this group, we must discount 10% who are lesbians and wouldn't go with a man, leaving us with 317,647 heterosexual women of a suitable age. Of this group, at least half can further be excluded from consideration due to being right pigs and boilers that Mr. Hucknall wouldn't even touch with yours, which gives us a final subset containing 158,823 potential sexual partners for the Simply Red frontmen throughout the period under consideration. Dividing this total by the original stated tally of 10,959 women, we are left with the inescapable conclusion that if your wife is 45 now and was half-decent looking when she was 18, there is a 1 in 15 chance that she has been banged off Mick Hucknall. There you go. Facts. So we went to... um, we went to see him at the Resorts Arena, which is near the NEC in Birmingham. We were discussing the palaver, because we've got to get the babysitter over. We actually make a whole day of it, so we had two babysitters, one taking over the night shift. And we were like, what do we do here? Do we have to take the train into Birmingham and then out of Birmingham again, another train to get down to the NEC? Well, look, I was in the region of about £8,000 up for the weekend at the point we were having this discussion, I was like, why are we even having this discussion? Let's phone the taxi right now. By the way, I'm not often £8,000 up um, on a Sunday afternoon, but this particular one, just everything was going my way. So we phone a taxi, £50, but it doesn't really matter at this point anymore. We get over. I'm hoping that we can have some sort of Valentine's meal in um, maybe Miller and Carter or ZZ, or even Nando's. But literally everyone had had the same idea in all of Birmingham that they were going to go to Resorts World um, on Sunday the 13th of February. And we couldn't get anywhere. So we had a nice romantic meal um, in Five Guys, which incidentally, great at advertising. I don't even rate it as that good a burger. Like um, Gourmet Burger Kitchen, good burger. There's some independent places at the Digbeth Dining Club that do these most amazing burgers. One of them has a Biscoff biscuit with Biscoff spread on the burger which, with onions in um, like the beef pate uh, stock. I mean, just absolutely incredible. And they're cheaper than, than uh, Five Guys who say they're the best burger in the world. But, I mean, it's an okay burger, but it's not the best burger in the entire world. It's not a £10 burger, either. 
Okay? It just isn't. But that was our romantic meal. There was five guys. Um, went up to the Genting Casino, then just to, um, just to mess around, have a few beers. Um, and again, it was one of those... It was just one of those days. We were playing mostly negative expectation games um, and losing and then reloaded the balance and lost and then reloaded the balance and multiplied the amount of money we put down on the table by five. I mean, in all honesty, I was sitting there messing around, having a few beers, telling the dealer that I'm counting uh, and doing silly counting on the blackjack table. I, I mean, I was saying the numbers out loud, but the, it was pointless doing it because of the shoe that was there. And my, I was losing, and my wife was drawing a card on 17 and hitting every single time. And because I was bankrolling her, we were more than happy. Ended up multiplying our bank by five. After the weekend that I had, we had no right to do that. And it was almost like even playing negative expectation games, we were just smashing it. At the casino, it was interesting as well. People just sort their entire lives out. There's a bar there, a sports bar. And we go in there, and... There's people in every booth and on every table. So we can't sit down. So we're sort of standing by the bar. It's like, well, sod this. Let's walk around the casino because it's more fun than just standing like a lemon because almost were in people's way. So what we would do instead is we would go up to the bar to get some drinks and then back down to the table and up to the bar. And every time I would go past the booth and there was a, a young man and a young woman, maybe 28, 30 years old, in the booth. And when I first went past them, they were both on their mobile phones just scrolling away just taking this booth up. And all I could think was, I've left my mobile phone at home so that I can focus on talking to my wife, cracking jokes, having a good time, having a load of beers, being present in the situation. I actually happened to know that I was on uh, the Leicester-West Ham game, and um, even though it was on the sports bar, I didn't know it was going to be everybody drink. Um, and also there was PGA that evening, and I didn't want to go out and constantly be updating the scores. And almost the temptation of having my phone on me would have been too much. And that would have ruined the night. And so I just, I was like, sorry, I'm going to take out my bank cards, and I, I'll, I'll take out, I actually thought, uh, 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 yeah, I, <laughs> there was a weird bit as well where I didn't think I had any money, and then I accidentally found a, uh, a little bit of my bankroll in the back of the cupboard, which I didn't know, know existed at all. I was like, where does that come from? And it ended up, because we multiplied the money by five by the end of the night, just ended up turning into quite a lot of money indeed. But um, every time we would go past these guys, um, I would go back to the bar, and they're still sitting on that booth scrolling through. And I was like, me and my wife could happily have gone to the casino and not played any roulette or blackjack. We could have happily gone to the casino and sat in the booth and talked to each other. We didn't. We ended up gambling and making some money because all the booths were free. But what are you doing? Why don't you sit at home and scroll through your phone? Why don't you sit by yourself? And so what is it that you're looking for? What is it? Did you find what you're looking for? Did you find it? What are you on? I, I couldn't see their phones. But, I mean, you can almost forgive someone for looking something up once, even though that's where conversation has gone just now. Do you remember that guy from the film? Oh, what's his name? Oh, he was the lead actor in the film. I can't quite remember. I'll Google it. Well, now you've broken the conversation by going onto your phone. You've, you've bro you've pr you put a barrier up, and the flow's gone. And flow's important in conversation. So I'll, I'll forgive you if you do that once. But every single time I went back to the bar to get a couple of drinks to take down to the roulette and blackjack tables, they were still on their phones scrolling through. They were having the most miserable... Well, I don't know if they were having miserable. Maybe they were perfectly happy. I couldn't have done it. And I didn't want to be with them. Why would I want to be with them? Do you know what I mean? So our friends turn up. Um, 
Six of us were meant to go. We actually organized this two years ago. And because of COVID, it was canceled two years ago and it was canceled last year. And we finally meant to go. But because they put it on a Sunday night, half of the people that were coming with us couldn't make it because they've got work. And apparently work's more important than spending some time with your bloody friends. So um, my friends, um, uh, Vicky and Hazel and my wife and me ended up going. And that leaves us with two spare tickets. And um, as we got to the rear, I realized, well, these tickets, I mean... They're £55 each. So we've got £110 worth of tickets here, which are completely useless. But perhaps there's going to be a tout. Now, touts are always, to me, interesting people. And when I say interesting, I mean scum of the earth. I was once in a gambling group with a guy who was extremely proud about the fact that he had bots that would go on to Odds Checker, not Odds Checker, Ticketmaster. And any time there was a new... And this is by... A decade ago, by the way. Anytime there was like a new big, big tour announced, his bot would go on to Ticketmaster or some other place and buy up all the tickets and then he would resell them for two or three times the face value. And so he's just making the world a worse place for to live in for everyone. That's all he's doing. The world is a worse place for him and his actions. And he was extremely proud about it and I called him out. I'm not impressed. I don't think that's a legitimate way of making money. You've got fans of music who will want to go and see those tours and are priced out of it because of you. Because, I mean, I can I can easily afford to go and see any tour that I want to or any festival that I want to. But music is mostly the domain of younger people. And younger people don't necessarily have all the money. And so if a younger person wants to go and see a tour... They might be spending a lot of their disposable income for that particular month. And that guy is, is uh, ex- excluding them from the experience. And music's one of the most important things in the world, even when it's simply read. I'm not having it. I'm not having you saying anything to me. So I don't like touts, but I don't mind it if you're going to sell for face value because, you know, people can't make concerts and stuff like that. And so I thought, I'll sell it for face value or maybe a little bit under face value. I didn't really have a strategy because it's not something I've ever done before. And we get to the arena, and of course there are touts outside, and I've got £110, two £55 tickets in my hand, and I confidently go up to the guy without a strategy, which was my first mistake. <laughs> and he goes, um, tickets, buying, selling. And I'm going, all right, mate, I've got two to sell. And he goes, okay, where are they? And I have no idea where they are, so I show him the tickets. And uh, he sees, so he immediately knows how much the tickets are worth, which probably puts me on the back foot. But I'm already on a back foot anyway, because I haven't got a plan. So what's my equity here? You see, I can either sell these tickets to this guy, or he can tell blatantly, I'm not going to hang around outside and try and sell them myself. I'm not going to do that. And the girls have already marched ahead of me to get to the bar, because, you know, they're women out on a night on a Sunday. Nothing's going to stop them. And so, he, he, I mean, everything, every card I could possibly have up my sleeve is now exposed. I'm playing the, the hand face up. I've got nothing. I've got nothing working for me. And I suddenly realized, God almighty, I'm not in a bartering position here. Not that it matters, because my pals that couldn't make it, well, they're torching the money anyway. But I was like, I want, I want to make them something. And I'm thinking maybe, um, um, uh, how much do you want for them, mate? 
And then I'm really like, don't let him make the first offer. I'm going to go in with the first offer. And I said, how much do you want? And I, then I immediately went in for what I thought was about 75%. So I went, how much do you want from me? £40 each? And he goes, I'll give you a fiver. And I didn't even know how to react to that. Less than 10% of the face value of the ticket. And then he follows it up with, well, look, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to sell these. And I'm thinking, oh, God, well, this is very true, actually. He doesn't know if he's going to be able to sell them. There's no guarantee on him. So, of course, going in at 80% was ridiculous. But 10%? A fiver? Like £10 for £110 worth of tickets. It's almost so low that I can't take it. So I'm like, I'll tell you what. He's not going to go too high, but I'm going to play this clever. I'll go in at 30 and we'll meet at 20. I'll go in at 30%. He's gone in less than 10%. I'll go in at 30%. So I said, um, I'll tell you what, mate. You, you, five or each... Call it 15 each, and we'll just call it now, okay? I can't go any lower than 15. And I'm saying that, expecting him to go and meet you at 10, right? And then we'll shake hands, and at least I've doubled his original offer. And instead, he goes, no thanks, mate, find somebody else. And I'm, I, I'm like... He didn't even he didn't even meet me halfway. He he was a lot better at touting than I was at touting. And I'm looking. The girls are through security halfway to the bar. Um, uh, and I'm like, oh my god! Right, that's it. If I, that, that's it. My, my my equity here is zero. I have zero percent EV in this situation. Play my hand face up. Sold 110 pounds worth of tickets to the guy for five pounds. To be fair. Nobody came and sat in those seats, so he didn't end up reselling them. And now I feel a lot better that I didn't. Do you know what I mean? It's like he's lost money on that transaction, and now I realise that he has to factor that in to his incredibly low wage. He wasn't necessarily just taking me for a mug. Maybe he was necessarily just taking me for a mug, though. So I've lost the girls. I go in, and I but I go past the bar, and the bar's looking the bar's looking empty. So I stop, and I get three bottles of cider because one of us is driving so three bottles of cider for the three drinkers of us that are there big bottles of cider and i put them in my pockets and then because i'm there i'm like oh well i'm here now and if they've gone to the toilet i might as well just get six two bottles of cider each and then we don't have to re-go back to the bar so i got another three bottles of cider i'm carrying six bottles of cider big bottles not the small bottles the big bottles and the strong cider as well and then i find the girls and they've had the same idea as me and they've essentially got two pints of wine each for me as well and for them and so we've got like two huge bottles of cider strong cider and two pints of red wine each and the driver who was very unfortunate enough to be out with us that evening it was simply red wine that sunday night and valentine's day the next day was a complete write-off as i say i went now i don't really remember the end of simply red i snored all the way home, that my friend giving me a lift. Um, uh, I stumbled to bed. At the time this was happening, um, I had nailed four of the last four golf winners, and I'm going to come to that. We're going to talk about golf later on, right? The, but um, my I'm running so hot, my luck has to run out at some point. And um, on the PGA, which I was on, which was on when I was at Simply Red, finishing very late. I think the idea was I was going to get back and watch the Super Bowl and that, but I was just fast asleep because we drank way too much at the Simply Red, at the Simply Red wine, um, and 
so I just went to bed. Didn't know what happened in the Super Bowl, although I wasn't. I didn't have anything on the NFL. Just passed me by this season. Did have a lot on the PGA. The um, um, the event with Scotty Scheffler. But he was like 7-1 to because he was two shots back and it was really packed at the top of the field with big names, Justin Thomas and Xander Schaufele and Brooks Koepka and everybody up there and Patrick Cantlay and people like that. Um, so um, this was the Waste Management in Phoenix, that silly tournament um, um, where people throw the beers everywhere and just get too drunk. I don't approve of any of that. Um and yeah, in the middle of the night with my red wine hangover, my simply red wine hangover, I, I stumble and find my phone and literally cannot believe that the one guy that I had in contention, who was about a seven to one shot, had, um, I mean, I've stumbled downstairs, found my phone, because I hadn't taken it out, so it was the other part of the house, the other upstairs of the house, and downstairs, upstairs, find the phone, trying to load up the app, and I'm looking, I can't, why is the guy that I've started, is, is, is he really number one? I couldn't believe it. Couldn't go back to sleep after I'd seen that either. And so that was Valentine's Day. And even having made as much money as I had done up until that point of Valentine's Day, my wife goes to work, I go to Waitrose, I get a dozen roses, two Valentine's cards, one for my wife, one for my daughter, um, a goo dessert, one of those, one of those, you know, the glass bowl dessert things, um, and uh, a loaf of bread because we need bread in the house. Forty-five pounds. Forty-five pounds for two Valentine's cards, some flowers, and a good dessert. Forty-five quid. I'm never, ever, ever. They know that. I'll tell you what. Waitrose on Valentine's Day take the piss more than ticket touts do outside of the Resorts World Arena five minutes before a big Sunday night Simply Red game. They really do. So, to give you an update of some of my betting recently, I want to go back to Player XG, which I've been talking about recently. This has been the longest-running model I've ever had, and it's still ongoing. It's like two steps forward and two steps backwards, although in the process of trying to get it live, it's been pretty profitable for me. So, to try and explain what it is that I'm doing and how it's been profitable and... and What's going on and why there's delays? Well, for starters, I don't. We're not releasing anything until it's right, and there's a big difference between having your own kind of model that you know works, but it's a little bit sellotaped together and rough and ready, and that's good enough for personal betting. But for releasing something that's fully automated, essentially that works when I'm not looking at it, is so it has to be completely bulletproof, right? And so here's the concept for the player XG model. I want to know the odds of 2+, plus, 3+, plus, FGS, DDHH, and all of this. And, um, and I want it to be formalized in an algorithm. And I want it to be the same every time the market conditions are the same. But of course, it has to come from smart money. It can't come from us. We don't price up player XG. We don't look at players. We don't look at games. So the question is, what's the input? And the input, to me, we're starting off with anyway, is AGS. Because that, that can be the most liquid market. We can get that from the exchange. We can get the players to have anytime goal scorer prices from the exchange. And then, if we want to fill in some gaps, we can go look at top price. And I've looked at a lot of top prices. And there's a couple of different relationships that can be used. 
just using the top price isn't a bad one. Over a long, large set of data, generally the top price at the bookmaker, unless it's an outlier, in which case it's probably an ob, but the top price with 0% markup is what the liquid exchange price is. So there you go, you've got liquid exchange prices and then fill in the gaps of the top price at the bookmaker. Occasionally, I think the defenders have a bit of fave long shot bias in them. So maybe the 66 to ones at the bookmaker, at the bookmaker probably need to be about 80 or 90. So there's a, it's almost not exactly the same markup for every player. It could be maybe zero for the strikers and maybe 1.1 to 1.2 based on the, def- the outsiders. I'm thinking of a utility function that is essentially hinged off the price. But let's not worry about that just now. Let's just worry about what we're doing when we're confident we've got a price. So say the exchange, right? So let's say the exchange has got a price. And how my model is going to work is that I want every player in the big games priced up. So not every game in the Premiership, but certainly every DDHH game, every Champions League game, every TV game, and so on and so forth, right? So I want every player priced up. Um, and I want it to be, normally there's no liquidity in the exchange early doors, so you start with the bookmaker price, and when liquidity comes in on the exchange, we switch straight over and track that, right? Of course, one or two prices will be a bit like silly prices that are just like people in the exchange not knowing what they're doing, but we're looking big data long term, right? Our job really is to filter out as many of the silly prices as possible. So we take AGS price, and we use reverse plus on, and we've got the XG of the player to that was used in the creation of the AGS price, right? Because that's what anyone does. They take the XG of the player, apply plus on over zero, and there you go. You got your AGS price. So we just do the reverse plus on. We've got the player XG. And always amazed when I sum up all of the player XG for a starting eleven, and I get the same pr- team XG for that starting eleven as is on the detailed games page. I mean, in front of me for today's games, let me tell you what I've got. Um, I have got... um, If you summed up all of Leicester's, it came to 2.36. And on the detailed page, XG for Leicester, 2.35. That's amazing. That's completely independent. I've just taken those prices. Harvey Barnes was 3.5 on the exchange. I've added them all up. And I've got within 0.01 of what's on the detailed page. Um, Randers, 0.72 on the detailed page, 0.71, adding up all of the players. In the Celtic match, it's not just that one match. Celtic, 2.22 on the detailed games, 2.18. Okay, so we're 0.04 off. Somebody's a little bit overpriced in the player XG. And um, Bodo Glimt, 0.88. Detailed games, 0.84. Um adding up all the players. So, I mean, it's just, there is so much confidence in that, right? So now that I've got the players, it's a straight plus on, well, AGS price I know, it's a straight plus on for two plus goals. What I know is three plus goals when it's liquid on the exchange uh, is always a little bit lower than using a plus on distribution. One of two things going on. Either the exchange price is inefficient because shops are taking advantage of a recreational market and laying bad prices. That's why it's always a little bit lower on the exchange. Or there's something going on where the player's dominant and so it's not a Poisson distribution when it gets up to three. It's, it's like it, almost as soon as he's got two, he's more likely to get three kind of a thing. Maybe there's that going on. I'm not going to worry about it too much because I'm on the right side of pessimism with my model. So whatever. 
It's like I'm not gonna f if I find any good three plus prices, it's definitely good, right? Now FGS first goal scorer. I've been toying around this for a while. Um, someone actually said something on the forum that made perfect sense. Don't worry about the other starting eleven. Just take the player XG and divide it by the match XG, and there's your FGS price. And they're right. In fact, when I do this on the liquid exchange, especially close to kickoff. It's, it matches so well the liquid first goal scorer price. Now, I want in the future I'm going to be bringing in the first goal scorer price because I want all the information that I can get. Perhaps the smart money is shaping that a little bit more than it is the AGS. But for now, I want to get an edge in illiquid FGS prices because there's so much movement, right? Bet three six five, and we're going to come to them, right? But bet three six five um, have started doing all of these boosts, and a lot of them are first goal scorer. And they could boost someone to 15 to 2. Well, 8.4 is sitting up and getting matched. And 8.2 is getting matched on the exchange. His fair price could be all the way down in the sixes. I'm going to come to someone that was. So I don't necessarily trust the exchange all the time. And I want to find my edges in the exchange. 2 plus and 3 plus. I think there's plenty of edges in the coupons that could be available. And of course, if I know the first goal scorer price. And I know the odds of him getting 2 plus goals. I know... With a simple calculation, the odds of someone getting the first goal and getting a second goal. And I know the odds of someone getting the first goal and getting a hat-trick. And therefore, I know the DDHH neutral odds. Now, historically, we've always done DDHH with a little bit of um, finger in the air. And it's worked very well for us doing that. I can't have a finger in the air automated model on the site. That doesn't work. The model's not going to know that Fabinho is the penalty taker. He's not, so we can't do that. But what we can do is if, we, if we've got FGS and AGS, and it all comes from AGS, then we know the odds of him scoring first. We know the odds of him getting two. We know the odds of him getting three. So we know the DDHH neutral odds. And then scrape Betfred's odds. And then every player in every game, I've, I've been doing this in the last week, every player in every game, we can now provide the DDHH neutral odds. And anyone that's over 100%, I'm going to start putting on the tracker. I never put DDHH on the tracker before because I didn't have a precise figure for them. I'm going to now. It's going to take ages to build up a sample size. I think I put three in the tracker and they've all lost. So mine is 100%, right? So everything's been looking really good up until now. And then what I wanted to do in the future after, I mean, the first thing has to be set up where the tricky bit's switching between the AGS at the bookmaker and the exchange because everyone's got different names and you've got a sort of fuzzy logic that together. But um, I've had this model and I've got to tell you, it's been super good. It's been super reliable comparing empty exchange markets against closing prices. Really, really, really close. Um, and... For me, I always have to be betting on something to be invested in it because I'm a degenerate, right? So um, I've been doing loads of gambling in the last week on the on the first goal scorer, and I think I'm a little well. I know I'm a little bit up, but um, first goal scorer can be quite swingy, right? But in the last week, well, I had I started off with Raheem Sterling in Manchester City versus Norwich, and Raheem was 6.6 .6 on the exchange. It was just being traded. I made him 5.4. So it's a decent price, that. And I topped up on him. And then by kickoff, he'd come in to 5.4 to back 5.5 to lay. And he got the first goal for Norwich. That was the start of something that particularly silly. I went on from Raheem Sterling. Believe it or not, I had Trippier. Trippier at 
55 on the exchange, and my model made him 48. It wasn't even that big a bet, to tell you the truth, against Aston Villa, but that didn't matter. 35th minute, he's taking a free kick. And I'm watching it, and I'm on him at 55, and of course I'm staking a bit higher at 55 than I would be at 6.6 .6 because I'm a silly fave long shot person. And it comes in and it wins. And then I move over. Um, then I went and had my hangover from the Simply Red Wine, and we moved over to Sporting versus City, where Mares, as I say, he was boosted to 15 to 2, um, and I made him 6.28. First goal scorer, right? Um, and he was trading 8.4, 8.2 was trading on the exchange. I didn't get that because I was greedy. I tried to go for the 8.4. I looked away and then he'd started coming down. I did get loads on at 7.4 on Mara's. Um, he continued to come on. And by the time it was kickoff, it was back 6.2, lay 6.4. I had made him 6.28 the whole time. He was high because he'd been boosted at, um, well, not just because he'd been boosted at Beth365. There are a number of reasons why people start high. A, a lot of it is to do with recreational money. There's other reasons which we're going to come to as well. The, the, the non-starting risk has to be factored into it as well. But just going back to um, Mares, um, he scores the first goal against um, Sporting. And that's another one bites the dust. So on the Sunday, I'd missed Jimenez, um, uh, who was 9.4 on the exchange. I'd made him 9.0. I mean, it was a thin one. I'm not going to lie. Um, and he drifted to 11.5 by kickoff, um, and he still uh, scored first. So I'm not right 100% of the time. You don't have to be 100% right 100% in this time. You just have to be right enough. And so Jimenez as well. And then last night, um, oh, the night before last night, it was the same night as um, the City game, Mbappe, first goal scorer, um, exactly the same thing going on. It was a bet 365 boost. I made him um, 5.1, 5.8 was available in the exchange. I was all over that. And then, so it's just been such a strange week of things winning and winning. And I shouldn't have, like, you can place all the plus EV bets and they can be good, but there's no reason to have as the frequency of winners that I've had recently. I mean, not all of those should have come in. Having, having good bets doesn't mean that you're going to get winners and make profit. Similarly, you can have bad bets and make profit. And it's only over the thousands of bets that these all iron themselves. I just find it interesting that I'm sort of ramping it up and hit this cluster of good bets at the same time as well. So I want to move on. I'm itching to share the profit, to tell you the truth, because I've got my player XG page up on the site, but there's major issues with that. The first one is that it's static. And so I, I, I publish it, and then five minutes later, if money comes in, everything changes. And then secondly, the numbers are tying up really well with the closing prices, but there were still a couple of things I needed to do, right? Even though if I don't touch anything, the numbers are good. The two enhancements I needed, I mean, where, well, for starters, I take the XG for each team and I normalize it so that everything equals the same XG as we got on the site, even though if they're slightly different. And so um, I've got to take XG away from someone and give it to someone else as a result of that. But as well, substitutes score goals. Uh, historically, 8.5% of substitutes in major leagues have scored goals. And that does vary quite a lot between Champions League and and um, English Premier League and things like that. And you have to account for that, right? If there's uh, Leicester Randers tonight, 3.07 XG, 
That means that 0.26 goals are going to be scored by goal scorers. I can't have those goals, that XG, in the players. And as as well as that, um, nil-nil has to be factored in. Okay, it's 21 in the Leicester-Randers match. So that's really low. Um, uh, it's very unlikely it's going to finish nil-nil. But in a closed 100% market where everything adds up to 100%, I need to have Mr. No Goal Scorer factored in. So I was like, okay, first factor in Mr. No Goal Scorer. We just know the price of that because that's a liquid exchange price and it's from the game centre. We know that Leicester Randers is nil-nil is 21. So we can start with that. That's our starting point. We also know that the substitutes are going to have 8.5% of the gate of the goals. But for first goal scorer, I think I'm going to discount that. Someone can argue against me in the future. It's obviously not 0% of goal first goals are scored by substitutes, but most goals. I really want to find a number for it, right? I know that 8.5% of overall goals are scored by goal scorer, are scored by substitutes, but I think the number of first goals by substitutes is going to be so low to be negligible. But I have to account for it in the XG, right? So what I did is I started with taking the substitutes and the Mr. NGS, Mr. No Goal Scorer, out of the market and then renormalized everything and put it back together. And all of a sudden, my numbers are no longer matching the closing line. It's like, how have I done this? I've started off with something really good that's almost ready to go live. And then I just dot the I's and cross the T's by adding in no goal scorer, which I have to for the XG, because there are ga- there are plenty of games finished nil-nil, especially these low XG games. You have to factor in NGS into it. And I have to factor in the substitutes. And by doing that, it's all gone a bit skew-whiff. And now my 2 plus numbers don't match the exchange. My 3 plus numbers don't match the exchange. Not that they did anyway, but they match them even less now. My FGS numbers don't match the closing price. And so I can't trust the DDHH neutral EV. And I'm sitting staring at this going, that's unbelievable. And it's, it's particularly annoying that I've been making money and I would now want to share. I always want to share money that I've been making with people. And it's not just an exchange edge. It's like we're going to be finding that 2 plus, that 3 plus edge. We're going to be having 100% of players with a DDHH percentage next to their name. And I've come to the stumbling block. And I'm like, well, it's almost like I could publish the model not considering substitutes and no goal scorer, knowing it was wrong, because I know you, you have to include those two things, but knowing that the numbers are right, you know what I mean? And no one would complain because they're like, oh, these are really close to the closing price, so they look good. But I know deep down that there's something wrong with the mathematics somewhere. So it's almost like I've got lucky somewhere to get close to the closing price, and I can't just forget about no goal scorer and substitutes. Um, and... So we continue having a player XG delay, and it's all on me, and it won't be released until it's ready. And one thing I've always found annoying is making money and then not sharing the love with other people. Um, But this run that I went through, this first goal scorer run, especially on Sunday, when I'd already had the golf and then I hit Trippier at 55, and I had enough on Sterling as well at 6.6. It's just like, I want to really push for this. So... We're gonna, I'm going to solve it. I'm going to figure out what's going on with the maths. And then we're going to get this whole model up, which, you know, its major concern is that it has to sort of match 
the odds checker synonyms against the Betfair synonyms, switch over, monitor the AGS, hinge everything over that, and then in future iterations, we'll sharpen, we'll sharpen that and you know hinge against more smart money going on. A bit like in the game center where you, you know, we, we make the markets ourselves, but then we hinge everything against the liquid correct score on the exchange because we can't pretend that that money can be ignored. We'd be foolish and irresponsible to ignore it. And the same as well. If there's an FGS steam that goes further than our predicted FGS, something's going on and we have to include all of that information in it. So it's coming soon. If you'd asked me in November 2020, I'd have told you it was about six weeks away. And now it's February 2022. I'm going to say it's about six weeks away. But it's my, it's my fun side project. So side hustle? I was going to say side hustle. And those are two of my least favorite words in the entire world. So I reverse. It sounds like someone, one of those people that collects the 15p off coupons and then calls it their side hustle. How about let's get a, pay, get a better paying job? Get a better paying job instead of spending all your time collecting the 15p discount coupons. So good old Bet365. I haven't had a Bet365 account in years because I don't do the multi-counting. Um, I decided if I wanted to make money, I was going to make money either using teams and shops legitimately, although maybe you know, the shops would argue that wasn't legitimately, but boo to them, um, and on the exchange. And It was interesting to see recently, if, if you're restricted to Bet365, open them up in a browser. And it just looks like a normal Bet365. And then right-click and open up incognito mode and go to Bet365 again. And it looks slightly different. Every game has this little green box next to them in football with a number in it. And if you click on the game, Bournemouth Forest... Uh, the number five next to it, you'll see that there is this new thing they've been doing for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, the bet boosts, right? And they boost a few markets. They've boosted Bournemouth, Bournemouth half-time, full-time. They've boosted Dominic Solanke to score any time from 13 to 10 to 7 to 4. They've boosted Nottingham Forest to win to nil from 11 to 2 to 7 to 1. So they've started doing what all the other bookmakers are doing. They're doing the boosts. Except in pure Denise style. I mean, Betfred do the daily boosts. They always have for ages. Um, let's have a look at it now. Daily price boosts. And they've got five. Lille to win both halves. Juventus to win both halves. Bayer Leverkusen to win and both teams to score. Bournemouth to win and both teams to score. And Solanke to score any time. How many boosts do you think Bet365 have got up just now. Go on. Have a guess. You're wrong. The answer is 1,118. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> nice if you have a Bet365 account. But also nice... If you're an advantage player that happens to take advantage of um, the Arbors, 
the match betters and all of that. So I started put. I mean, they're just doing these in every single game, right? Um, most of, a lot of them I can't really benchmark too well. A lot of the player ones I need that player XG model working before them. The correct score ones there's a lot of them, but they're liquid exchange. Uh, penalty and match stuff like that. I mean, we can do it, but it's a bit hard. The ones I'm interested in it in are like the game center ones. The Arsenal to win both halves from eleven to four to seven to two. Aston Villa to win both halves. Aston Villa to win an over two point five. Those real game center ones that we're monitoring. Those are the ones that I want to know. And so we've been putting those up, and then I've been going over to the exchange, and it's been extremely easy to put up some liquidity and essentially get myself 110, 120% EV bets, especially with Smarket 0% commission. Long may that live. I mean, even if I was paying the commission, I'd be getting value, but I'm just getting mega value. And it's just so easy just now. Now, as mentioned in the previous segment, just because just because you are placing plus EV bets doesn't mean that you're going to win. You could be placing bad bets that win. You could be placing good bets that lose. It's just placing good bets means that over time, over a large period of time, yeah, the variance will flatten itself out. But variance can go both ways. And over not a large period of time, over precisely the 1st of February 2022 to the 18th of February 2022, I am £6,282.42 in profit Courtesy of just every single thing winning this month that Bet365 have boosted. <laughs> it says, like, thank you very much for putting the boost. And some of them winning have been winning in the most outrageous style. So I had Burton to win and both teams to score. And Burton are actually 3-0 up after 18 minutes, right? I did have a list of... Um, back odds here but i've lost them and i can't be able to find them doesn't really matter it was just I mean, all of these are about 110 to 120 percent ev and at the same time as bolt burton bolton were playing this is last wednesday night there was exeter versus harrogate now both of these games i'm on team to win and both teams to score burton bolton it's three nil in the 93rd minute exeter harrogate was three all in the 94th minute so I'm four minutes into injury, into extra time in both games, and both are losing. And Sparks wins, scores for Exeter, and Charles scores for Bolton to make both teams to win and both teams to score come in. And it's just been like that this month. They've all been they've all been extraordinary. I mean, okay. They haven't all been last-minute winners. I mean, betters to win in over 2.5 goals. Well, after 41 minutes, it was 3-2. And you're thinking, well, it's not going to finish 3-2. Well, it did finish 3-2. So betters won in over 4.5 goals. But, I mean, it's just been extremely silly what's going on. And it's very good um, because it's just an avenue for exploitation. And there seems to be enough arbors out there arbing bet 365 if bet 365 are putting something up at 8.5 and we think it's 6.8 you'll get 8.2 and there are enough games to spread the happiness around as well um there's between two and four boosts per game 
they've got how many did I say like 1118 so that's that's gonna be like 400 games I've got boosts up just now that's a, and even if only one in four are a game center market that's pretty there's a lot of um opportunity out there so we're putting a few up on the tracker we can't put them all up but a lot of the times when we're doing things like this it's kind of just pointing people in the right di direction like there is value here kind of a thing um but by all means pick up like the brazilian series b or whatever just figure out what the boosting team to win both halves if there's a market on smarkets go and stick up like one or two intervals underneath what bet365 are offering and then just sit back and wait and the arbors will come and happily match and give you your 110% or 120% bet and as I say that doesn't mean that you're going to make money it, I mean you will in the long run because you're having a good bet but the bets that have won at the beginning of February we used to say that February was shit February for some reason there was always a pattern that we would the worst month of the year would be February when gambling couldn't figure it out there's no rhyme or reason to it other than it's probably just complete random noise but it was known as shit February in my teams for years and years and years. It's no longer shit February this this time round. Unbelievable. Just eagerly waiting my daughter's passport to come so that we can actually go and spend some of this money. Because it's pointless just making it all and not enjoying it. So this coincides with a review I did on um, the Game Center on win both halves. So... We we have the game center where we come up with the correct scores ourselves. And the correct score at any time period, half time, full time, whatever, there's I have got like hundred percent confidence in. Where there's slightly lower confidence is where you take the product of two time periods and multiply them together. And the reason for that is that to model that properly you need Markov chains. And Markov chains are essentially the way you break something down into a load of different segments or periods or generations or something like that. And the XG, the expectancy in every generation or every segment is related and dependent to what has happened before. What I mean by that is you might have an underdog in an FA Cup match that take the lead in the first half. Well, maybe then they're going to take off the striker, put on a defender. Their second half XG changes from what it was pre-match as a result of what's happened in the first half. Now, n these scenarios, we don't model them in the game center. We consider the first half to be completely independent from the second half, and it isn't, right? So we have a little bit of a lower confidence for stuff like win both halves when we multiply one time period by another time period. The question is... How much lower confidence? Is it still fit for purpose? And I did a lot of analytics on it before I went live, and I was like, yeah, it is fit for purpose. It's good, right? It's um, it's it's churning out numbers that are good enough for trading on the exchange. I would just keep an eye on those games, which are slightly unusual. Maybe, you know, big cup finals like the Champions League and the World, the World Cup final. Even if you're a favourite in those, you're very likely to part the bus in the second half. So... Those are, the, but I mean, the vast majority of games, I consider it to be fine calculation. So we started pushing the win both halves to the tracker 
in July 2020, yeah, July 2020, the 4th of July 2020 was the first one. And in January 2021, somebody asked us to publish a report on the ROI of the win both halves. Um, they knew, after 350-odd bets, that it was awful. It was actually, at that time, minus 7.5%. And if you look at the PL graph, it's just... Um, it bounced around for the first 100, and then it was just a straight line down. They just all lost, right? And the person that was asking us wanted to highlight the fact that, at that time, they were not a profitable avenue. And I don't think my response was um, was was taken very well. But I said I didn't want to publish a report on the return on investment of 300 bets. I wanted to wait to a minimum of 1,000 bets. And really, I wanted 2,000. The issue I had is that we're really only just pushing boosts to the main track. I mean, you can bet on the exchange. You can bet on standard markets. You can bet on coupons, but we're not pushing any of those to the bet tracker for monitoring. We're only pushing the boosts, and the boosts were losing, right? So with only one or two boosts a day, it was going to take a very, 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 very long time to get to 1,000 bets, and there was patience required to do that. Well, actually, we put the first bet up on the 4th of July 2020. The 1,000th bet went up on the 10th of February 2022, so it took about a year and a half. And when I put the 1,000th bet up, I decided that I would stick to my word and publish this report. Now, I have to say, the inquirer, the person that asked me to originally do it over a year ago, unfortunately, is no longer with bookie bashing. If you look at the PL graph of win both halves, you can probably see why. I mean, it was 300 bets that just almost all lost and ended up with a minus 7.5% ROI. If you were betting to win £200 on each bet, then after 350 bets, you were at minus £3,750. And that is betting on something from a service purporting to be positive expectation bets. And it would have been over six months. Yeah, I can understand why the person that was betting on them wasn't too happy. Now that we're at 1,000 bets, which still isn't a very large sample size, but it's the minimum I wanted to do before I discussed some numbers, we see that we would have, to win £200 for unit win staking, we would have placed 1,000 bets, average odds 4.91, staked £63,899. Uh, we would have made £5,134 profit. So the, from... Nearly 4,000 down to 5,000 up. So there's a swing there of 9,000 pounds from the from the bottom of the drawdown. Um, that's an ROI of 8.03%. We recorded all of the expected, the EV, the expected value of those bets as well. And again, you could argue, well, these are boosts, so I'm not that impressed that you've made some money. Actually, we hadn't made any money after 350 bets. But that's not the point. The point is how close to the recorded ROI are we 
or were we from the estimated ROI? Well, we estimated that the ROI would be 8.37%, right? So we estimated 8.37%. We are 8.03%. So really close. And there's a lot of confidence in those numbers. And hopefully they will converge even closer as we add more over time. But And what this suggests to me, I mean, it's, it's by no means bulletproof proof. It suggests, first of all, the 300 bets. Unfortunately, they just were just... It, it, I know it sucks to say that six months worth of losing is variance, but it was six months worth of losing that was just variance. And since then, we've hit the upswing and we're probably running a little bit hotter than usual. But over the 1,000 bets, we're just sitting a little bit under the ROI of what we expected to from the calculation from the game center. So would Markov chains enhance the game centers? And say, uh, yes, they would. They're extremely complicated. Well, I mean, they're not complicated mathematically. It's just in terms of the way we've set the game center up and the coding and everything like that, it would be extremely complicated to add it. Would it add enough value to undertake this project? Or do we think that the current game center calculations are good enough and fit for purpose for the vast majority of games for benchmarking bookmakers and trading on the exchange? Yes. The answer is yes. We think it's absolutely fine. I would always keep half an eye on big games, finals and strange games and internationals between, you know, England and Andorra, stuff like that. You know, the, the, the confidence goes down and there will always be games where the confidence is just skewing the numbers a little bit. But for the for the 95th percentile of games, for 95% of them, for the normal games... Um, it's a pretty powerful tool and I'm glad to see that the numbers converged to where they should do ah! right I better talk about the golf then I guess because things have been Extraordinary. Even last night is extraordinary. It's day two of the Genesis Invitational yesterday. I've got a load of different ways of um, taking advantage of the golf. One of the things I did yesterday, uh, I just um, loaded up all of the purple and green guys from the golf tracker at bookiebashing.net and into the first round leader market and managed to get Neiman at 70 Continuing this just stupid run that shouldn't be like this. My theory there is there's solid evidence that the tracker highlights golfers who are being bet on by and chosen by syndicated money and smart money. And because the intelligent smart money people are betting on them and they're appearing to be high up on the tracker, there's a theory there that these guys are value bets and certainly... I've been applying those value bets to different strategies, be it DraftKings with some success, first round leader, which is a completely different market. But, you know, we're bringing a lot of these high odds guys to attention and there's a lot more volatility and variance in the first round leader markets. Those high odds guys are quite interesting. I mean, even at 70 is not super high odds, but, you know, the rest of them, 400 to 1, 500 to 1, you're not getting that on first round leader. Um... And I bet a lot on the exchange and I bet in shops. I bet in shops because I know the terms are good and the, the 
the value is there with those terms. And I bet on the exchange for the same reason. I know I'm betting on syndicated money and smart money. And I don't have access to a lot of soft books in the UK. I don't multi-account. So I bet heavily on the exchange. I have done for a long time. We report on the site the ROI against the bookmaker. And we report the ROI on the exchange. We report the ROI on the exchange because that's what I do. It's what I've done for years. And I like sharing the edges that I've done because I've made money. Now, if you asked anyone that started on the 8th of August 2021, just after we had picked the winner of the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, Abraham Answer, they might argue that we haven't been making money because after that event, we went on a very significant downswing where we, there was just no places. And that lasted 100 bets or so, like 10 tournaments, 12 tournaments. And that can feel like a long time, just losing tournament after tournament, especially with how slow golf is with once a week. And then we made that money back over the same period of time, 10 to 12 tournaments, just places here, places there. And then we lost it again, even faster the second time around, just like no places. So it was, it's been a rough, well, not rough, because it's break even. And we made a lot up until the 8th of August. But for anyone that started on the 8th of August, it was choppy. And if for anyone that started at the beginning of November, well, for those people, none of them really lasted uh, quite a few cancellations and emails about how disappointed um people are which is understandable but i mean golf's a long-term thing it's possible to have a losing year so just a month or two is expected we have to ride those waves so i put up the results from the exchange on the site mainly because it's what i do and i share my edges i can't really put up the results in DraftKings because there's no way of independently proofing that and there's no way of putting it up before the event starts unless I did a screenshot and it just feels cheesy. So I bought it's just too difficult to independently audit and prove that everything's fine at DraftKings. But um and of course we've got the selections up at the bookmakers that we put up before every event and I kinda of get on those and I get on the doubles as well. Um and I bet in shops where I get the exact each way terms, which is mainly where I get on them. So there's those different avenues with the golf, right? So we get to 2022 and we get to the last podcast. I think I'd mentioned, you know, I wasn't exactly concerned. Concerned not the word. I was just like it was quite a lot of tournaments in a row that had lost money up until the um, Abu Dhabi Championship, which only had Tyrrell Hatton finishing in the place with... A dead heat with four other people, so it was hardly any return on him. So up until then, yeah, um, I can un- I can understand, you know, especially if people weren't used to the variance and the volatility in betting golf. And I'm I'm betting to win ten to fifteen percent of every field. That's rough. It's very rough. And sometimes I take that number from the bookmaker instead of the exchange. It doesn't matter where it comes from because it's just a rough idea. It means I'm not betting 5 or 25%, which there's no problem with that. It's just my personal it's just my personal um, preference that betting 15% of the field means that 
on average, I have about an even chance of busting and not busting. So two tournaments a week, there's about three to one chance of um, busting fully across the two of them. We actually went one, two, three, four, five tournaments uh, without a winner, six. So that's two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64 to one, 63 to one, which will happen. You know what I mean? It sounds unlucky, but that'll happen. Um, and then we hit... Um, so As I say, I'm not concerned. I'm just a little bit upset for the people that had got in touch to say they were disappointed, that they were cancelling, that they weren't happy. That kind of makes me feel worse than me losing the money because I'm, only, I'm losing house money that I've taken from the house in the first place. We get to the farmer's insurance. Right? This was... A couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago, January the 29th, and we'd gone for Luke List at 80 to 1. What was he on the exchange? I hear nobody ask. On the exchange, the price I took for him, he was um, a price. Why can't I find him? There he is. Exactly 100. Nice round figure. 100 on the exchange. So I had 100 on the exchange. And I had 80 to 1 in the shop. And he finishes in a playoff with Will Zalatoris. And I feel like we've won 99% of the playoffs. I can't remember. I should really take note of how many we've won. But we're just running so hot. And I'm always so confident when I go into a playoff that, you know, there isn't going to be an issue here. And of course there isn't. He wins the playoff. And that's the end of the um, the bad run. And really with that win on Luke List, we got back to square one again. We're back to that point in the August the 8th, the previous high point. So all good there. Now, staking, again, I do the Kelly staking. So I'm staking a bit less on the lower EV guys. I'm staking a little bit more on the higher EV guys. That's the staking I've got on the options. It's a staking... Um, I use on the exchange and Luke List was 117% EV, so it's pretty decent EV. So I was staking quite highly on him. The very next week, okay, we go to the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am, and the top EV guy I've got is Tom Hoagie, who is first with Seamus Power second and we've got both those guys after the first round and Tom Hoagie does that very rare thing where he, di he didn't go wire to wire but he was right up there in the first round and he won it after the fourth round but that afternoon as well as um, Tom Hoagie over in the Saudi International I got the 1-2 Bubba Watson looked like he'd come from nowhere to either win it or force a playoff at 90 to 1. And huge EV, 122%. That, my friend, is purple. That means max stakes. So as max stakes on Bubba Watson, who was higher than Bubba Watson? Harold Varner the third at 128% EV. 66 to 1. And because these are max stakes now, I'm winning way I'm winning double what I win on low EV guys. You know? And I'm going on the exchange. What price did I get those two guys on the exchange? I hear you ask. Um, Varna, who was 66 to the one in the bookmaker, I, I actually only got him at 60 on the exchange because he'd steamed in by the time I got him on the exchange, and I got 75 for Tom the Hoagie Hoagie. Right, so that's three and three. 
with the double. Didn't have the actual double on those two. Did have some doubles, just didn't have that one, right? Um, but three winners in three tournaments. So that's now running hot, and we're at an all-time high. I'm perfectly content, and it's now time for variants to catch up with us, have a few busts, etc., etc. We go over to the Raz Al Kaima Classic on the DP World Tour, expecting this one to be another, you know, variants catching up with us. Well, second place, Ross Fisher. 80 to 1, we got him. Seventh place, Connor Syme, at Bookmakers playing seven places, 150 to 1, we got him, albeit a dead heat. And the winner, Ryan, what does the fox say? Foxy Fox, at 55 to 1, 111% EV, we nail him as well. What price in the exchanger here, you ask? 60. So. It's just ridiculous. Now, over at the Waste Management Phoenix, um, uh, that's when it's all going to come to an end. Um, Thigala was up there, Shaofli, Cantley, Koepka. So, Scheffler is my only real chance, but he's like 8.5 on the exchange because there's so many big guys around him and scoring better than him. So, I didn't actually watch, as I say. I went to go and see Simply Red Wine at the uh, Resorts World in Birmingham and left my phone at home. And even though it was on when I got home, I'd drunk too much and so I wasn't monitoring it. I did, however, have golf doubles on Ryan, what does the fox say? Um, and great Scotty Scheffler at 942 to one. I mean, what? Come on, what is going on? Especially since I'm running so hot everywhere else with the football, with just standard football stuff, with the goal scorers, even at the casino playing negative expectation games or bankrolling my wife playing negative expectation strategy at Blackjack. And so I have no goddamn right to go five, to seven tournaments, five winners, five places, two of them getting first and second, so no stress, about the second place, three of them being huge EV, um, two weeks with two winners and two tours, with a £1,000 bankroll, and I bet to a bankroll significantly higher than £1,000 on golf, that in those seven tournaments returned £2,517.52 in profit, that's 330.38% return on investment, it's silly numbers, and on top of everything, even just those, like my exchange wins, my um, uh, drafting success, my um, winning singles in the shops that I'm on, with all of that, I then bring in the 942 to 1 double. It's silly. It's really silly. I mean, look, it wasn't the only double I was on. This week, I've been on a few doubles, but... You don't need to have that big stakes on at 942 to 1 each way to be returning a good time. The amount I've made in since the last Bashcast is quite simply astounding. 
in the in the period of time that there has been and it leaves me in a position where i'm feeling utterly invincible like i can bet on anything and it'll return a profit and of course it won't and there'll be a losing run and i had a losing run that i talked about in the last bashcast through december it wasn't really even that bad and i've wiped that out and then i've wiped it out in the region of eight times um so i don't want to be a boring Barry and just sit looking at the numbers on the screen I'm absolutely itching to get away and next week is half term and kids are off school um so I've been looking at the south of Italy and I found a really nice place and I really just want to take a significant chunk of these winnings and spend it on some luxury that's what I really feel like especially with the amount of rain I want to go out there I want a really nice place I want the sunshine I want to eat expensive food and drink expensive wine because this amount of money just doesn't drop on your lap all the time. And what's the point of buying an NFT or a Bitcoin or put it in the bank or a rainy day? I mean, certainly a lot of it will be going into replenishing a lost bankroll um, from December, which incidentally, I, I actually lost enough in December and January that by the time this hot run started, I had slightly just slightly lowered my stakes a little bit which is really frustrating just because it could have been more I want more give me more <laughs> and I want to get away my daughter we only realized because no one's been away because of lockdowns um in the last 18 months we didn't go away in 2021 only realized recently that after this happened that my daughter's passport had expired so I couldn't just immediately go away um so we've tried to fast track a replacement well it's friday now and i wanted to go away on friday and it's still not here so i don't know if i'm going to get away next week but you got to spend it you got to enjoy some of it especially since even if you took away the double i'd have been sitting there staring at the screen going this can't be happening this is unreal this is absolutely unreal this is you know well into five figures it's a decent sum of money for anybody and it's been such a short period of time it's really been since the very end of january the 28th of january until what's today because it was still going on yesterday with the first round leader stuff the 18th of february so like 19 20 days it's been 20 days it's just been outrageous i've spoken to a lot of people as well and a lot of other people seem to have done well i know people that follow the golf options and follow the wgv and didn't give up during that sort of break even period between august and january They've all done very well, and I'm very happy for people. I like it when other people... I like it even more when other people get to share in the success, because it's fun, because we're sort of combined um, combined joy and happiness. So that the passport office sent an email this morning saying that it's on its way, it's being couriered. Uh, the minute it lands on the doorstep, I'm going to see if I can get some flights out of Birmingham. I mean, by the way that I'm going, if I continue this weekend, it's going to be a char It's going to be a private jet. It's I'm going to get a private jet... I'm going to be swanking along in my tuxedo, the not the Tindler swindler, the Smarket swindler. That's what they're going to call me. And it's just fantastic. It's great. And that's why I started this Bashcast. It's very easy. It's very easy to win. It is very easy to win. And it's losing that separates the real long-term winners. And I have said previously... It's kind of important not to put too much emotional investment and happiness in winning because you don't want to put too much emotional investment 
and sadness into losing. But this just feels a little bit different. This hasn't been normal. It's I, I said to someone this afternoon, I really should log everything and then sit down and work out the standard deviation of where I've been sitting in the last two or three weeks. Because it's just been outrageous. I mean, everything from Betis winning 3-2 to the last-minute goals in Exeter and, and Bolton and just the winner after winner in the golf and the doubles. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just weird. But it's, it's, it's lovely. And I love gambling. It's a lot of fun. And it makes me happy. Whatever you're doing this weekend, just place your bets. Just place your bets because they'll win. I promise you. This is Tom signing out.